Welcome to Tackless Radio. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Tackless Radio. And of course, it is I, Be Bad, your amazing host. And I have one of my faves here with me today. And we're just really going to shoot the shit. <laughs> ever since, <laughs> because ever since I met David, all we've been doing is shooting the shit. Like, we've been shooting the shit from Uber to Soho House. Like, that's all through and through these Chicago streets. So I figured why not... Bring my baby over so we can talk about the nitty gritty, the fun, read a bitch down, but also kind of just have amazing perspectives to a very important conversation. So, David, tell the people who you are, where you from, what you do. First of all, they call me Tata Nalicious. <laughs> no, I'm no. Uh, my name is David Horton. Um, I am a creator of. Uh, <laughs> Screenwriter, um, currently working on my own digital series. Y'all will get more information about that when it is released. Um, but writer, producer, um, creator, networker, loving, love to bring people together. And um, if I can't help you, if I know somebody who can, I'm always about bringing us together as a people, as a community, and finding true community within what we have in the world. Perfect. Absolutely love it. So, origin story. 2016? <laughs> Do you know that that time seems to be such a blur to me? I can never tell you what year it is. I, could, I couldn't either because I feel like working at Uber, everything kind of was a goddamn blur. And especially at the time we were working there, everything was a fucking blur. It was a blur. Like the Kalamazoo massacre to like them getting sued because of ADA protocol. Like every time you came into work, it was or... something different. <laughs> Or the CEO literally getting fired. <laughs> oh my God. Company. Oh, right. Or the CEO's parents dying. It was just kind of like every day. Always something. Every fucking day was something different. But I always remembered your spirit being literally the cut through the bullshit. It was just not only were you like sweet and loving and like very personable, you were a voice of reason. Where a lot of other people would be like, oh my God, I'm working at a tech company. This is so nice. This is so lovely. And you're like, no, bitch, we're not getting paid like everybody else. <laughs> like, no, bitch, our work is different. Do we need to unionize in this bitch? Like, this, Listen, this shit's not right. Shit's not right. I was, do you know one of the things I'm so mad about? I was probably one of the biggest reasons that that team got a raise for everyone working on I was like, we are a specialty team. I do not understand. Mm-hmm. I know. And then my yeah. biggest frustration, I have to say this, was they were hired. They like did this massive hiring thing for our team because our team was like it was like six or seven of us forever, mm -hmm. right? And they're like, we just have too many cases. We need more people. They hired a bunch of people, and I'll never forget. I was like, y'all know y'all got two days where there is not a single manager here to help these people. Wow, poorly planning as usual. <laughs> <sighs> but <Blood>. anywho. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, I wanted to have the conversation with you about conflict resolution. And I wanted to have this conversation 
from our particular perspectives, because I think being woman, black and queer, we have a different perspective about conflict resolution because unfortunately we've been conditioned to not be angry. We've been conditioned to control it. We've been conditioned to take it to, we've been conditioned to take it on the chin (laughs) at the, at the expense of cis hetero black men being able to have their ego go unchecked. So now that we are, we're adults, we have, I have found more so than not that black women and black queer folk have a better response to things when we do not get our way, when we are disrespected, I see us responding to those things a lot better than our counterpart, which would be straight black men. So um, we have a lot of things going on right now where we see black men attacking black women. We see black men, unfortunately, losing their lives to gun violence. And now I don't know if you saw, but apparently the person that did shoot takeoff was shot and killed himself. So mm, nope, I so ba- so they basically are just like street justice. And now yeah. that I think about it, you're in Houston, so I'm pretty sure y'all streets have been turned the fuck up. <laughs> for baby, between between that and this new this Astros win, baby, I don't know what's right, left, up, down, center, <laughs> none of it. <laughs> I was just like, now that I think about it, I'm like, ooh, you are in the heart of Houston, so I know you've probably been seeing them boys out in the streets for a minute. But I wanted to have the conversation of conflict resolution from the perspectives of, of individuals who normally have to learn conflict resolution for survival where I feel like conflict resolution for black men or at least straight black men is not, it's not something that is prioritized when they're, when they're growing up. So ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between the conversation today will be conflict resolution with a black woman and queer lens. (laughs) So what is your perspective boo on conflict resolution? Do you think we could do a lot better? Oh, simple answer is here. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it. So I, I'm trying to figure out a way to make something long very short. I have tons of conversations with predominantly people of color, specifically, yeah. um, because I feel like we are the ones who need a higher education and sometimes an understanding to where some of our trauma and some of our bullshit comes from, right? So, like in the aspect of conflict resolution and what we're talking about in this situation of takeoff and street justice and all that, I think we fail, not fail. I don't think we often think about the the piece of understanding where that comes from. And even all the way down to the male ego, right? Yeah. Black, I literally just said this, Black women have unintentionally coddled their Black men so much to the point of disparity. And I get it. Back in slavery, you know, Black women had to keep the household up while they tried to emasculate it and tear our men down, right? That's fair. So Black women are the ones who help have infantilized Black men all these years. Yeah. Yeah. But with that out of this protective space, Black women have now been like, the world will beat you up, so I can't do that to you. But not understanding that there's a way to constructively make sure that he still turns out to be a good person into the, that goes out into this world and is not abusing women mentally, physically, or emotionally. Because he is being true to himself and honoring himself mentally, physically, and emotionally, right? right. So the aspect of conflict resolution, when you think about that grand, that larger scope of it, right? It makes total sense to me as to why black men are running around here doing stupid shit like shooting each other because they think that's the only way to, to have justice. Right. Um, like my own personal history, like my first time going to therapy is because I lost my shit on my mama one day. Mm. Like 
And I don't say that like happily, but unfortunately, my nephew, I got shot. Right? He is literally in ICU with a bullet in his chest. And I'll never forget my mom was like, well, I think we figured out who did that to Lil Mo. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, are you serious? Your grandson is literally on a hospital table and you're worried about who shot him? Because this idea of protecting the black man is so ingrained in black women in a way that it coddles them and causes them to be terrible fucking people, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Like... There's a level of accountability that when black when black men are yelling to the high heavens about accountability and the accountability that they want to see from black women, that is an area where I'm like, okay, check mark. But when they get it, they what they can't handle right. it though. But exactly, like accountability for black women in this space to black men for quote unquote your mothers maybe having a misstep in the way that they raised you is that what they should have done was raise you the same way that they was raising their daughters. Because we all know the phrase, they raise the daughters and they love the sons. And unfortunately, you have missed, you have misappropriated the skills in your household where your daughter only got them and your son didn't. That's why he's 45 living in your basement and doesn't have a job. And you're, you're more than willing to still take care of him because you did not prepare him for the world. And that would be the accountability. Listen. Mom, auntie, granny, the accountability is you loved him, but did not raise him. Not only take that on the chin, but you got to take that, that lick on the ass too. Like, mm. like you got to take that. I'll literally have conversations with my sister. Um, unfortunately, I lost my nephew, but I have conversations with her all the so time. Like, to hear that, babe. Thank you. Um, I tell her all the time, like, you know, it's not your fault. Yeah. Like at a certain point, and the same thing I told my mom before she passed, at a certain point, our parents are no longer responsible for the choices we make. Yeah. And in my opinion, they should not ever be responsible for the choices we make. Right? That's like fair. that idea, like your reflection of your parents. Yeah, cool. But I'm my own person. I'm not my mama and I'm not my daddy. Yeah. So when we think about like bringing this into the space of conflict resolution, the reason why I think Black women and queer people have what I would say a better sense of conflict resolution, I think it comes from what you said earlier. Like, we are forced to have to always make the black man comfortable. So in the yeah. same space that black people are forced to make all white people comfortable, black <laughs> queer boys and queer girls and black women have been literally taught and trained to make the black man comfortable at all at any given space. Because if he's uncomfortable, the women are upset because now they have to protect him from that uncomfortability. And it's different because when they are uncomfortable, it's not just a simple discomfort. And another component that we need to add to this is that we have not allowed for little black boys to understand the entire range of emotions. They only have two, horny and angry. And that is not how you answer and sometimes it's any both the same type of resolution. Now. Exactly. And that's when it's be really fucked up when it happened at the same time, because now you just mean a psychopath. Because <laughs> I know somebody who's like, I love to be disrespected. I love my friend. But I was like, when you really think about that, I, I'm not here to kink shame anybody. Or <laughs> I don't kink that. shame you, either, but girl, you, sit do down and thing. talk to somebody. <laughs> Why do you want somebody to beat up on you during a moment that's supposed to be your intimacy? Like, I think somebody was talking about this recently, like how we talk about, like, even the aspect of sex, like shooting up the club. Why is it always a level of violence for us? <laughs> oh, my God. Everything that we talk about, there's a love like beating the face. Like you getting your makeup done. Why are you beating the face? Our language. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's I, always a form of level of abuse. It is. 
like it's so ingrained into our culture because words have power and they're so important and we say shit like i'm gonna shoot the club up i'm gonna beat the pussy up i'm gonna beat the face like we have even our even our language that's supposed to be endearing is violent and then we and then we look up and we are asking ourselves like why don't we answer these problems in a more con- conducive way why aren't we able to answer these issues in a more healthy way we don't even talk to each other in a healthy way the language is not available to many people the language of i am not angry i am disappointed i am not angry i am going through grief i am not angry i actually feel let down and when you're able to have enough language to understand that it is not anger that you feel it is sadness that you feel it is a lack of intimacy that you feel it is loneliness that you feel and you can actually start to segment how you really feel and you can address those actual emotions that is way more healthy because you're not angry and then the way that you want people to address you with anger is to just let you hulk out that's not fucking that's not I told myself a long time ago, I cannot deal with an individual who does not have great conflict resolution skills because if you're still punching holes in the wall, you, need to, get fuck, you need to get in fucking <laughs> therapy. Like people who like rip their shirts and punch holes and get blackout drunk, like that shit's not cute. That shit's not cool. Get your ass in somebody's therapy office. Listen, um, what's really funny when you, I keep, anger just popped out to me. I remember being younger and not being okay with being angry. My last fight that I got into, because apparently word on the street, I was, a, I was a bully, but I wasn't. People, I'll give you very specific guidelines, and if you cross those guidelines, that's your ass. But, I don't know, David. I might have to, word, if word on the curve was that you a bully, I might have to take that. I might have to take that. You know that. what? If I say, don't talk about my mama, the moment you say my mama, like, you that's wanted it. to fight. That's fair. You know? I beat your ass with my mama, too. I beat your ass with my mama, too. And I remember I got into a fight with this dude, and the part that really stood out for me is not the fight. It's the fact that I chased this boy all through the school. I'm at my, my middle school. And the last time I remember getting angry for real and I had to calm down. It took, I don't know how I managed to calm down in three nanoseconds. But do you remember back in high school, they used to be like, slap, the boys used to slap each other in us for some reason that we are queer shit. Or yeah. they smacked the shit out of you. Talking about face check. Yeah. My friend smacked the shit out of me one day and I'll never fucking forget it. Brennan smacked the shit out of me on the third floor of my high school we have four levels counting the basement i chase him from the third floor mind you also want to add in the fact that he was on the track team he's a trained runner <laughs> i chased oh him and my, my friend Pinky from the third floor to the basement i was literally they i was so close to them they went to close the door and the only reason that i i literally slid my entire half of my body through the door before they could even close it oh <laughs> That's how fast I was running. And I remember as soon as I hit the door hit my foot, I was like, you need to calm down. And that was the last time I was angry. And I was like, I don't like this. You become this a different person. Feel, this doesn't feel like the appropriate way to handle the situation. I like, it, my, friend, it, my friend shouldn't slap the shit out of me. Let me start there. But I also don't think that he intentionally tried to cause me harm. I mean, we definitely want to acknowledge the fact that, like, being assaulted at school for the for the joke of it all is <laughs> not it. right. Right. That that shouldn't have but, been happening. But that blackout but, moment that is so scary. It, that is that's the terrifying part. I don't like it. And everybody's like, David, I've never seen you mad. I was like, because when I get mad, it's a completely different person. 
right? Because I haven't, it wasn't until recently, like the last like four or five years span that I've gotten into therapy to understand that my emotions aren't just nothing and angry. And even recently, I was just in a session like last week and I promised, she was like, David, do we need to get you a feelings wheel? Oh my God, I love those. <laughs> she was like, because she's like, you always talk about you don't know. She's like, you gotta, use, you gotta use more words when we talk about how you feeling. Honestly, I think as we sit here and talk about conflict resolution, I know people are like, everyone's talking in circles when no one talks about solutions. One of the solutions is I want people to get a fucking feelings wheel or feelings chart or an emotions chart and start to become aware of the other emotions that you have outside of I'm hungry, I'm horny, and I'm angry. That would be your first assignment. hunger is not an emotion, by the way. It is, it is with me. <laughs> it is with me. It's a love language. It is such a love language. If I'm hungry, I am full. I'm probably in full-blown bitch mode. So get out of my well, goddamn Feed way. me, Seymour. Feed me, Seymour. Feed me. <laughs> so, David, have you come across experiences as a teenager, as a young adult, where you were around a lot of individuals, um, and when I say a lot of individuals, I'm more so speaking on black men, where you found conflict black resolution, black males. Have you had experiences when you were younger being around black males where you realized that a lot of the ways that they went about resolving conflict put them in a worse situation? Girl, countless times. I actually... <laughs> No, so my upbringing is very particular, is what I like to say. Everyone, we all have our stories, but. Right. Let's just say my family was into drugs and violence and gangs really, really deep, right? The idea in the hood is an eye for an eye. But I have so many memories, I don't even know where to pull from. I think I remember because my father was abusive to my mother. Mm. I think very early on, I immediately identified that I didn't like that. As a child, like, I remember everybody's like, David's a crybaby, but the things that would make me cry or angry or upset me, should I say, would be when I hear people yelling. To this day, people yelling still disturbs me, right? Yeah. So if I look at that as a level of poor conflict resolution, I immediately, as a kid, like, two, three years old, immediately was like, this isn't okay. Mm. I'm watching my mother cry. Like, that's when I was like, this is not okay. And then as I get older and I'm seeing people lose their lives and knowing that my sister's child's father for almost lost his life at the hands of somebody else that was just shooting at him because of who knows mm -hmm. what. My thought process when we think about solutions is like, it's simple to be like, oh, do this, do that. I think the this is why I'm such an advocate for mental health awareness. And even within the company I work for now, one of my things is trying to find resources for people of color to be more accessible and to be easier to, 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 to get a hold of. Like, there's so much embedded trauma within the Black community as a whole mm -hmm. that we can't even begin to really unravel and get to a space of solution because people don't want, they don't want the solution. But um, I wish I, I, I may be a little soft on the subject of like conflict resolution within the Black community. And the reason I say that is I'm in a space in my life where I don't like feeling like I'm trying to tell people what to do. You That's grown, fair. you do what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. But I do think that we can do a better fucking job of, like you said, one, understanding what the fuck our emotions are and truly being able to identify that so that we know how to navigate them better. 
Because just because you're sad does not mean you need to go haul off and shoot somebody in the fucking face. Right. Right. It's not a justification for any physical violence or even attack like attack people. I've seen people be like, and they're dealing with their own trauma and their own sadness, but it causes for them to be mad at everybody around them. First of all, bitch, mm-hmm. I ain't did nothing to you. Right. And I hate to make your trauma worse because I'm about to ruin your life if you keep it up. Like 50 Cent said, what do you say fuck me for? Like, and, I, and maybe I'm biased because it's 50 Cent, but I even think about the way 50 Cent handles conflict, right? Oh, he, Jesus. I, in the strangest way, it is so comical to me. It is. Because it's like, he is not even serious about most of the conflicts that people think that he is serious about. He's like, you know what? It's almost like watching a child play a bunch of practical jokes on the other people. It is like watching a child. It's like literally watching his version of Home Alone. And yeah. he is literally Kevin in the house, just causing a fucking ruckus. But instead of it being a house, it's <laughs> fucking social media. Social media. That is, that is, that is basically 50 cents. <laughs> but it's like, I can even deal with that level, that type of conflict resolution. Like, you know what, let's make a joke out of all this because it's not that serious, right? Um, but again, therapy, I, this is why therapy is so important to discover yourself, figure your shit out. Also think that it's a straight, big responsibility as black people. Stop blaming the world for our issues. We understand. And that's not saying we need to negate the reality of what it means to be black or a person of color in this country. It's not negating that. But at what point do you look at them like, you know what? I understand what I'm walking into, but let me still strive to do something better. Be more. I have all of these things that can be solutions, but the reality is... Y'all don't want solutions. Y'all just want to continue to operate in a way that that's comfortable for you. The same way that white people don't want to give up white privilege, black people have gotten to a space where I don't want to, I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing. I always yeah. think about the system of oppression. I say, we didn't build the house. But when I say we do a damn good job of keeping up the repairs. A damn good job. Bitch ain't a brick out of place. Roofing is always replaced. Plumbing is great. HVAC been gutted several times. And we do such Brand a good job roof. at it. I said this about cis hetero black men and white women all the time. For white women, you did you did not create the patriarchy. And for black men, you did not create white supremacy. But you all do such a fucking good job with the maintenance. Like a supreme property manager, if I do say so myself. Because <laughs> if I can get my property management in my apartment complexes that I've looked at to do mm. what y'all be what we do for the system, mm. baby, listen. Mm. Would it be yeah. right? Wouldn't be a a a, a blade of grass out of place. <laughs> you, you know and, what? And another thing, now that actually might make it worse for black people. I was gonna say somebody else recently think about like life insurance. And mm. first of all, which is an important thing for black people, we need to make sure that we are all covered in the aspect of of death. I don't know. There's so many different things that come to mind. I think about like financial um, literacy. I think plays a part in all of this, right? Like, I know somebody who came into, like, $20,000, and I was like, that's not a lot of money. I was like, you got $20,000 tax-free. There's so much you can do with that if you have better financial literacy. Exactly. So that financial literacy of knowing how to invest and do those things. I always say this all the time. If some of the people who, who sell drugs and do all of that stuff, right, if they took that same tenacity, that same brain power, and put it into something, quote-unquote, legal, some of this gang beef drama BS would not be a thing because instead of trying to go shoot somebody up because they stole your your shit, you'll be like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and take that loss. That's what we got loss prevention for. 
Mm-hmm. Let me go ahead and do what I got to do and make sure that I ain't got to worry about this shit next time. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it comes down to. I think that's where it comes. That's where some, a lot of conflict comes from. Like we all just trying to keep our shit. You are hitting on something super important, boo, because I think as we sit here and let's say that we take the, the emotion that we're very comfortable with the emotion that we're very familiar with anger. What are we angry about? We're angry about our social economic standing and the fact that we are in redlined neighborhoods that we are not able to, we're in food deserts that our children are not going to schools that have adequate education, that our children are not able to have clean drinking water, that our children are walking to school amongst shootings. Like we are angry and we are justified in that anger when we really sit down and we have discussions and talk about what the fuck is going on. Now, with everything that you're talking about in terms of like financial literacy, what came in, what came to my mind is once we are able to identify what we're angry about, then we need the knowledge to solve it. Because to the point that we're making, if I have financial literacy, and one of the things that I'm upset about is my socioeconomic standing, having more knowledge around financial literacy will start to alleviate some of the pressure that I feel about my social economic standing. These things can funnel into our community. People can start to learn about their situations and we can actually position ourselves for better. I give my generation, even though millennials been getting shitted on since we were 12 (laughs) and nobody gives Gen Z any credit, but what I at least give us credit for is that we are generally being like, whoa, 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 pause. What the fuck is going on? Okay, how do I reposition? How do I reset myself up? What is a will? What is a trust? How do I have a little side business so that I can write shit off? Like, how can I, because I'm I'm moving back home next year so I can save all my money up and get myself in a better position. Like, how are we able to use the community to come together so that we can save up money, so that we can redistribute it amongst the family, so we can buy property together? Like, how are we able to get in a better position than our forefathers? And it's so fucked up because when we say forefathers, our forefathers are different from white people's forefathers. Our forefathers Absolutely. are is great grandmother. The forefathers of white people are the motherfuckers in on Mount Rushmore. You motherfuckers right. know your forefathers. You all can trace your history. Our forefathers is big mama. And she didn't have much to leave when she passed. So we just trying to do better than that. <laughs> and, and that's the truth, right? Like when you say that, I think about like I was just talking to somebody about like my family history. My grandmother, my father's mother. One generation of separation grew up, she was born on a plantation. Are you serious? Dead ass. Apparently she grew up there until she was six. My grandmother, to my knowledge, was illiterate, but somehow started an entire daycare business. Somehow managed to buy her home. Mm. So and when I think about stuff like that, it's like only thing you need is the literacy around obtaining these things. Because my grandmother wasn't about that bullshit either. Like, if me and my sister even got to fighting this kid, she's like, uh-uh, y'all go cut that out. Y'all go love each other. Mm-hmm. This dude, I promise, it's funny now, this dude that I used to beef with so hard at elementary school, don't ask me why I had beef at elementary school. Oh, because you wasn't the bully? <laughs> what? I don't know. I don't understand how we keep getting back here. <laughs> no, but, like, me and this dude fought literally, like, religiously. Like, if it wasn't every, every couple of days, it was every week. Not a week went by 
unless one of us was out on suspension or something where we weren't fighting. And I remember he, we, our, my bus stop was across the street from my grandmother's house. I remember this day, like it was yesterday. I said, when we get off this bus, I'm beating your ass. Not just to give so him a heads up. Oh, yeah. And, you, and I'm getting off the bus before you because you're not running. Mm-hmm, courtesy call. So I moved to the front of the bus. You know, I did my due diligence, made sure. And as soon as he got off the, as soon as he got off the bus, I gave him two seconds. You can drop your bag or you can get this tag. You're going to tag that ass. Baby, I must have been fighting that bus rolled by and my granny looked over. Damon. And I will never forget, she made... <laughs> She made me apologize to him and his parents. And then she made me hug him. Oh, granny. Grant, my granny was like, no. She, and I think about that now. Like, my granny was preparing me to go into the world with better conflict resolution. That is the, so true. Like, she was, like, fighting him. And I, I remember she asked me, like, what like, what was I fighting for? And I was like, he says about my mama. She's like, well, what did he say? And I told her what he said. And she was like, okay, and? She like, that's not enough to be putting your hands on the body, David. And I remember that shit so hard. Your grandmother reminds me of a lot of our grandparents that came from a era where they had to have better conflict resolutions, or at least they had two opposing sides to choose. You had Martin Luther King, who was talking about turning the other cheek, and then you had Malcolm X. He's talking about being in the ghetto. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it's very interesting because we do come from a time where, like, we come from a time where Black people are aware of conflict resolution. Black people are aware how to have conversations in the most stressful times. Unfortunately, and it's just the only person that it's missed on is Black males. I'll even go a layer deeper. And it only happens with black males when they are addressing the black community. Because if a black male gets pulled over by a police officer, I'm pretty sure he knows. They tap into all. If they were at work. I literally almost just threw all of this shit. Because you. Right. Exactly. If they was at work and their job was on the line, they know how to fucking talk to individuals. But when they come back to their community and they want to be the white men of their community, they talk to us like they fucking nuts. But I have seen you talk to everybody else like you got some sense. We've seen it. How have how black men know that they have to do a certain shuck and jive and a certain type of tap dance as we all have to do to get to, to even have access to certain spaces. So the fact that black men are in Congress and Senate, the, the fact that they're on board of directors and they have these companies, that means that you have to have some level of conflict resolution because I know white people have tried you from the Ruta to the Tuta and you've had to figure out how to shut the fuck up to be able to get where you are. But why can't you shut the fuck up with us? But so here's the thing. Where it's for them, it's shut the fuck up, right? Like, but mm. I don't look at that as true conflict resolution, right? Me shutting the fuck up don't mean that the conflict has been resolved. Mm. What a lot of black people have been doing, the shucking job dance is I'm going to shut my black ass up, get what I want, and continue continue to stay quiet. I think that's the small piece that, that needs to change. Cool. It's mm. cool if you shut your mouth up and listen, right? But you also get to be like, you know what? I don't like this. The aspect of playing that, I, I hate the term play the game. You got to pay your dues. Me you got to play the game. I fucking hate it. I truly hate it. Um, I like I crazy think about. Mo- I always think about the Monique, the Lee Daniels, Oprah, oh, yeah. Tyler Perry mess, right? And yeah. I always think 
the thing that always comes back to me, and I don't know why I think about this so often, probably because I'm like, I'm in the entertainment and stuff and I'm like, you know, acting right. and modeling and all that shit, right? right? But I was like, how would I feel if somebody came to me, if I've been working my ass off, and somebody came to me and said, you got to play the game. Does play the game mean I got to work for free? Or I have to lose resources or I have to struggle? And I'm like, why are we the only ones who believe that playing a game means that we have to struggle beyond think beyond what we need to, right? Something that you were saying like about community. I asked somebody for link the other day, right? Because yes. I I would get me some free food. It is right? expensive. That's- we in a fucking recession, girl. Let me tell you. And this person was like, "Hey, if you're making so much money, why would you ask people for link?" I was like, "So I don't have to spend my money, money. on it, right?" Like this is the idea of financial literacy. This is what I think about when I think a solution is also true community, right? Truly uplifting each other. And it's okay to be like, you know what? I can't help you this way, but this is a resource that I have for you. Like somebody was like, hey, if you're, your close relative needed you to say, put an apartment in your name for them, would you do it? I was like, no. I was like, but I would try to help find the resources so that they can get what they need. Like maybe a private owner, you know, we can do the research, a but sub, I look for a sublet, maybe put 200 towards your down deposit. But and, I, that's but what, help. <laughs> and people think when you do that, that that's not being helpful. I was like, but that is what true community is about. I was like, you know what? I may not be able to help you this way. I may not have the $20 you need, right? But let me give you five. And we always look at it as like, if we, we're half empty ass people too. Where it's like, yeah. oh, I need $20. Girl, if I give you five, you only need 15 left. But people are like, I need 15. Really start to accumulate. And it's not even just money. I'm just using it as an example to mm-hmm. talk about the bigger scope of things. When we start looking at things more half full instead of half empty, you start to appreciate, like, you know what? Maybe I don't have this, but let me figure out how I can get. A solution is true community. Like, if I got a resource, for example, you have this amazing platform. You have this podcast, right? Say I know somebody who has something to say. I'd be like, yo, Brittany, this person actually has some really dope things that I think that you may want to hear. Maybe y'all can have a conversation. If you think they dope, can you invite them to your podcast? People fail to understand even simple things like that are resources. I believe it was kind of like Issa Rae. And I don't know if she, I believe she, I'm, I'm going to, I, I am just going to be uh, paraphrasing her quote here. But she was like, sometimes it's not reaching down it's not reaching down it's not reaching up it's reaching across across. yes reaching across because one of my favorite quotes mine too because like at the end of the day i would want my podcast to be so much better or i want to get into voice acting or i would want to get into this and you're like talking to people who have done it before you're talking to people who are in the space that you want to be in and the seat that you want to be in and they don't have the time or they don't have the resources to reach back down but if somebody else has a 2,000 download or 2,000 listener podcast and I got a 2,000 listener podcast and we collaborate, that's 4,000 listeners. And that's way better than what I had before. And I might not be reaching up to somebody who has like a half a million subscribers in their podcast. But the 2,000 extra that I got from reaching across the table is damn well better than what I had yesterday. And I think, unfortunately, we conflate what support actually looks like because we believe that if you're not this grand person or this person with all these followers or all these resources, can you help me? And bitch, the crackhead at the end of the corner could help you if you look if you have gratitude and you look at it right. <laughs> I think one of the best things I've ever fucking heard and 
Barbie wants to mention her name, but whether you know what, I'm gonna mention her name just for the sake of I feel like it makes it a little bit more important. Aisha Tyler, she has mm-hmm. been in the game doing her thing forever. I had the pleasure of being able to have a conversation with her, and I was talking to her about my digital series. This was years ago. Amazing. Um, and we having a, we having a love her, love 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 her. Um, but we we're having a conversation. And she said the realest thing to me in the world. And at the time, I'm glad that I was me and not me maybe a year before that conversation. But she was like, hey, she's like, I support you as a young black artist. You know, anything I can do to help support you, let me know if it's a reshare, a retweet. Um, you know, if I have the time and you have the resources because my, my time isn't free. Right. She was like, that is where my help extends to she's like but there's things that i personally am trying to work on and get off the ground and not to be mean or rude about she's like but what how can i help you if i'm still going through the same struggle you're going through and i remember telling somebody like oh my god that's so mean i was like no that's the realest thing you could have ever said to me that's the most honest thing you could have ever said to me because it reminds me like what my version of help doesn't necessarily have to look the same for her. Why am I asking her to limit her resources or what she's trying to accomplish? Move yourself out the way, Aisha. Help David. <laughs> right. Girl, what? That doesn't even make sense. Not logical. Not logical. <laughs> like, but but I love but that's that. That's so real. But that's an aspect of, like you said, networking across too. Like she didn't say, hey, I ain't got your back. I can't help you. She's like, I can't help you in that way. But I'm still here as a, as a resource. If I need to bounce ideas off somebody, if I'm lucky enough to have a conversation with her again, hey, I have an idea. What do you think about this? That's a resource. I love how we are finding opportunities to reach across the table. When we understand that we're not going through issues by ourselves, when we understand that we have a community, a family, a network of people to go to, a, a social circle, a friend circle, I think that I think that will also alleviate a lot of that pent up anger we have, where we feel like we have a we don't have as many options towards conflict resolutions. For instance, and I definitely want your feedback with this. I have heard a lot of men, specifically black men, say that they feel alone. Say that, like, because they're a man, nobody gives a fuck about them, their feelings, their opinions, their needs, no one gives a fuck about unless they're producing. No one cares about who they are and how they show up. And a lot of them has, and and here's the thing, because they're still a man, patriarchy will always say they're more important, but I understand the sentiment of the feelings. And and at the end of the day, this is what they're expressing, and this is how they feel. The fact that they're sharing that is a lot better than what we were getting from boomers and Gen X. So the fact that we have men today that are like, I feel like people don't give a fuck about me is a good step in the right direction. But I have to then ask them, like, why do you feel alone? Why do you feel like knowing you have access to a community? Like, why do you feel alone? Is it something that, society has put on you that you feel like you have to be the lone wolf you have to be the alpha male or do you not know that you have access to a community or you just a shitty person so you would have access to that community but they told your ass no never mind so i'm i'm just saying and the question that i have for you is that there are communities available 
when it comes to people understanding that they have additional options to conflict resolution, because a lot of times we feel like we got to do this shit by ourselves. But why do Black men, in your opinion, feel that they have to do a lot of these things by themselves? I think there are a lot of nuances to that answer <laughs> and to that, that, com- that part of the conversation, right? Because there are little things like... Um, my sister actually just put me on game about a term and I used it religiously at this point. And she said it, no. <laughs> Emotional <laughs> incest. Oh, tell me right? more. So at first I was like, oh, what is that? The mother's trying to groom their son to be the man that they never had. And then they have such a deep tie, such a deep emotional connection to their young boys that it just turns into this this tornado, this cyclone, this hurricane of just bullshit. Because, it, and, and tie this back down to something we talked, I was saying earlier about like how the black woman coddles a black man. Oh, if he's crying or he hurt, it's, it's not my job to aid to that. I got to protect him from that. He's not allowed. And I always say the biggest dis, the disservice that the black community does to the black man is not allow them to express and deal with shit as children. We are often, even as a queer man, up until an extent, I was often told who I was. You gonna be this, you gonna be that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And once you get into a cycle of always being told what you are, you tend to start to believe that shit, right? So I do think it's a combination of society and a lack. the community that exists is also a broken, fucked up ass community. And that's the community that most black great men have immediately close to them, is people continuing to hold them in this box of telling them who they are. And they never find the strength or courage to explore outside of that. And that's when the ones that do, we have like people like the Vic Vincas and um, trying to think of some other names of like people who are just like, who are just so freely expressive. And the people always find it strange. And the moment you're expressive in any way other than right. toxic masculinity, you got to be gay. Right. And right. then use gay as a derogatory term, like it's supposed to be disrespectful. Fucking hate that. It's like, oh, he's metrosexual. It was metrosexual when we were growing up. And now it's just basically full-blown gay. It's just gay. Fucking gets on my nerves that, like, you all calling people gay, you think that's an insult. Where, like, honestly, baby, at this point... They would be much happier if they were gay. The way that I'm set up, I'm probably going to marry a gay man. Because, like, dealing with you motherfuckers, who wants to? Y'all, we just found out that y'all don't wipe between y'all asses. I at least know Gee. that my I at least know gay men white between their ass cheeks. When so, I tell you I just told a mm, white woman mm, this mm, the other mm. day, my friend Kayla, I love her. <laughs> She's like, David, that's not real. And I sent her an article. I was like, this men there are black men who are so t- terrified of the idea of being called queer that they don't even properly clean themselves. But I also think that that comes back into the, the scope of the conversation. Like, to the answer to the question, should I say, is like, I think there's so many nuances to it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, again, it's just a cycle of just shit that as a black community, we just continue to feed back into itself. The community needs a little, a little paint. You know, she needs a facelift, honey. Rip that skin off, rip that skin down, (laughs) move some shit around, and put it back up. The community, she might need a BBL. Like, the community might be a mommy makeover at this point. (laughs) 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 Very much that. The community needs a mommy makeover. But when I say that, 
What I am realizing is that our community is just missing its femininity. And unfortunately, what I feel that we're missing is just an acknowledgement of the feminine divine in our community and an, an acknowledgement of what femininity is. Unfortunately, when it comes to the patriarchy system, it doesn't teach you how to be a man. It just teaches you not to be a woman. So you inadvertently, mm. you inadvertently hate everything that is deemed feminine, queer mm. men and women. That is completely deemed in our community to be the upset. But that's because queer men are aware of their femininity, whether they, express it or not they're aware of it and there are a lot of black women who are aware of their femininity and they choose to express it however they choose to express it but we are self-aware of the femininity spirit that is within us yeah men and especially black men have been told to shut that entire part of themselves out and when i say femininity i want to be very clear that i am not talking about pink and flowers and makeup and titties Femininity and the power that is femininity is being able to have intuition. So when you were telling me the story about how you were two and three and you saw everything that your mother was going through and you had emotions about that and you knew at such a young age that that was wrong, even though you had no understanding of words and emotions, that is feminine. That's feminine energy. Having intuition to know when shit going to pop off. And my sister Brianna will be a lot better about it. As I got older, I started to listen to it. My sister Brianna was really, really good with it when we were younger. We be partying, having a good time, and she'll be like, it's time to go. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we got like a whole nother two hours. I'm juking on the wall. Somebody, my girlfriend holding me holding I'm you like, up. I'm like, no, like, I'm not calling mom yet. I want to stay. She's like, no, I just feel like something bad's going to happen. Like, I feel like we should go. I'm like, I'll call mom in like 30 minutes and then we can go. Literally minute 29, a fight breaks out and somebody steals my phone. And my sister looks at me like she wants to say so bad. I told, I told you, you so. so. But that is feminine energy, the feminine spirit, the feminine energy to understand conflict resolution because everything does not have to be aggressive. How do you communicate? The emotional intelligence is feminine intellect. And being able to express that yeah. is feminine. Creativity, the arts, music, luxury, things that look good. That is all feminine. It's not pink and, and, and over nurturing and pushing out babies. That's what the patriarch wants to tell you what femininity is. And a lot of men are missing their feminine skills, which is why they're not able to have a lot of options in terms of when they try to resolve their conflicts. They go to masculine options. Which, yeah. to tell you, which to tell you the truth, the way that they even deem masculinity is trash. I it's also inaccurate. Inaccurate, because I love me some healthy masculine energy. It is when it is toxic that it fucking gets on my nerves. But healthy masculine energy looks like listen, being able to be decisive, be it, it like leadership, being able to make a decision, being able to look at all features, to be able to look at all the data points of something and be able to make the best decision. That is beautiful masculine energy that unfortunately we don't get to see enough of. When I tell you what you just said, just struck a nerve. You remember that scene <laughs> in Five Heartbeats when he got the thing and she got to swimming around in that chair? Like, that, that's what good, strong masculinity yes. truly does for you yes. when it's good, right? Yes, when it's good like, masculine energy. Like, and it makes me think about Jill Scott when she's like, if you can't tell me to shut up, don't tell me to shut up. Right. It's that it's like you ain't got to be mean to me. No, you got when you. I don't even know how to explain it, but yes. Um, 
Because we know. I, we know. Yeah. Because I think it's the same. It's the same thing that I give people, right? So I'm a hey girl, you down, boost down, house mama, yes, all of that. Because I love having a good time. But you saying that makes me think. I think that's what most people have been attracted to when it comes to me. Mm-hmm. Because I have no issue telling you I have a problem with something. I have no issue also saying that I'm wrong. I have no issue with any of the forms of expression that I know of to my, you know, what I have in my disposal. Mm, I saw I that like, Capricorn yeah. in that chart. That's all that Capricorn in that but, chart. But 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 that's that masculine energy of like. Hey, I was just me... about to say that's that daddy energy. That is so, <laughs> that is so sexy. That that's that. I said what I mean. I mean what I said, and I'm standing on that shit. And that's like, oh. Somebody tell me that my. So I, there's somebody I went on one day with. We cool. We we're friends now. I was like, hey, you got some shit I'm not willing to deal with. Mm. And I re- he was like. He was like, your honesty, he's like, I think your honesty can be manipulative, he's like, because it's so attractive. And I was like, <laughs> you're just not used to people being honest with you, and you're not used to quote unquote, mom, man. I was like, you're not used to real men talking to you. Because the best thing not. I can do for you is tell you that I'm not into you, and we can build a friendship. Because what I'm not going to do is lead you on to think that there's more going on here, because it's not. Even if I had sex with you, there's nothing else going on here. <laughs> let me be very clear let me be very very and it's stuff like that so when I hear you talk about like the masculine energy and like what it looks and feels like those things in the mind I was like now I can I can see I can see it because I yeah. know how it makes me feel so I can see how it, it has made other people feel including my partner and I feel like a lot of men feel like the masculine side is where they have to be and then where they have to stay and then that shit goes to 100 and then it's not healthy anymore I hate the term a man don't be a man mm. Because what the oh, fuck is I, a man? When I say that shit boils my buttons, grinds why, my gears. Why? why is it? Why does it make your ass itch, friend? Girl, it feels. It makes me feel like I can get a pap, pap smear double time. <laughs> it's not comfortable at all. Because we, it's the same thing we've been talking about about black men. <laughs> because it instills in black men that you get to roam free, do whatever the fuck you got to do, but the woman is not allowed to do that. Do you know, I encourage women all the time, young and old, if you're going to be a hoe, be a hoe. Mm-hmm. And be proud of it. There's nothing wrong with you existing the same way that anybody else on this planet does. I think it's very important that we have these type of conversations because we're not allowing for Black men, Black women, Black queer individuals, disabled individuals, our trans sisters and brothers in our community to feel heard. And sometimes... When you are in the marginalized spaces, you feel like you have to make sure that the person who is the center, which in our community is Black men, you feel like you can't even get to your emotions. You feel like you can't even talk about your issues, that we can't even bring up. Because you got to take care of theirs first. Because you got to take care of theirs first. We can't talk about the the Black trans women dying. We can't talk about Black women dying, giving birth. We can't talk about hate crimes against black queer folk we can't talk about black disabled individuals not getting any of their benefit their government benefits anymore because we are still trying to work through black men getting shot by the police and what's upsetting is that they themselves don't show out in droves to support themselves i see way more of us out there to support black men issues i do not see 
that many black men coming out to support us with our issues. And it gets very exhausting because when we talk about conflict resolution, Mm -hmm. we need the space, we need the time, we need the energy to devote to solving those issues. But if we're solving the same fucking issue with no support, we can't even get to the other rings in our community to really start to help one another. Yeah, and I think what I encourage uh, people to really research and look into is the indigenous people, Indians, whatever Mm. you want to call them, right? Um, I know I have um, an indigenous background. Mm. It's probably why my, my family believed in certain things like superstitions in the way that we did and foretelling um, of things like that right and i was just thinking the other day i was like why don't we follow that more often when we think about two-spirited or twin-spirited they fully believed in feminine and masculine energy coexisting and understanding that both are needed in one person to exist right um and i encourage black men cis black men straight black men and even some toxic ass queer black men um really do just be okay with existing as you are As we wrap up this episode, as we dive a little deeper into conflict resolution within our Black community, David, what are just some lasting points, some lasting messages that you want to leave your brothers and sisters in the days as we close out today? Because I really do feel like it's important that we talk about opportunities for us to see each other as humans to kind of like erase some of that rage when we really have a lot of those passionate emotions, identify them appropriately, and then work those out. But yeah, I would want to know as as we close out, what do you want to tell? What do you want to tell the people? <laughs> Just be okay existing as you are. That is my word of words of encouragement. Understand like there are things that can be changed or adjusted. There's an adjustment that may need to be made, but that doesn't make you a wrong person. It doesn't make you a bad person. What makes you a bad person is you continuously going out into the world without making any changes at yourself and you always blame everyone else outside of you for issues that are really your fault. It's the idea of it's okay to fall down. It's okay to bump your knees. It's okay to break your arm, even break a foot. The issue is when you remain stuck and you don't try to move beyond where you are now. I think that is a big thing that I want people to take away from this conversation like, there's opportunity, understanding networking across mm-hmm. and truly understanding the resources you have available. Financial literacy creates financial freedom. Financial freedom creates a level of um, broken poverty um, because poverty is a mindset. And I get it that we are born in some really fucked up situations. But the only way to get out of it is to truly get out of it. And getting out of it starts, it starts in our brains and our minds and what we believe we can and cannot do. Get and we can do knowledge. anything. Black people, we are fucking superhuman. Like, I don't care what nobody say. Black people are super fucking human. We are. Power to the fucking people. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Tell the people where they can find you. I will be linking all of your social media handles and websites below. But if people want to get to learn, if you want to get to learn more about you, see more about you, where should they go? So I have gotten really lucky. Um, my all my handles on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter um, is David Horton one zero seven. That is D A V I D H O R T O N one zero seven. And yes, yeah, shoot me a message if you 
like the things that we're talking about here, please share. Um, I'm not this serious all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, just let me know. I'm here. Okay. Yes, definitely follow David everywhere, y'all. He is a sexy chocolate man. He's such a sexy chocolate man. Oh. Mm -hmm. Do I look like be... Denzel? <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably be seeing his sexy ass on somebody's magazine cover soon enough. <laughs> Yet again, it's, it's time. Yes. Well, thank you so much, y'all, for joining us for another episode of Tackless Radio, and we will see you all next week. Thank oh my God, boo. Thank you so much. <laughs> so much.